Bam 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 Welcome back to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. That's Lisa Linke. And that's Misty Stinnett. Thank you. Moving on. This is the podcast where you can listen to us review a popular self-help book each episode and talk about it. If you like the way it, it sounds, you can read the book. If you don't, who gives a shit? We're here for you in your busy lives. Guys, pro tip. Misty loves self-help books. <laughs> Lisa, Pro tip. Lisa hates being told what to do. <laughs> I sure do. I don't like it. And yet, here I am. So listen, we're trying to cover all the perspectives, mm-hmm. all both of them, mm-hmm. so that you can get a balanced view from uh, a totally two totally non-balanced women. <laughs> we're just two beautiful, brilliant women sitting in the beautiful Fairfax Village studios in Los Angeles. Yeah, without, without a care in the world, no yes. stress or anxiety. No, life is, you know, We're able to turn this off when the mics aren't rolling. Oh, no, yeah. No, you're crying. But here's the thing. If you like what you hear, now you know to go buy the book. And if you hate what you hear, you're Skip welcome. It. We just saved you money. Goodbye. Um, Misty. Wh- Yo. <laughs> what you read for us this week? <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, I'm actually super, my left brain is, just went from six to midnight. Oh. Because, that's right, uh, because this is a super unbelievably practical book. So for those of you who have um, bared with us through a new earth and when things fall apart, mm-hmm. which were more serious philosophical conversations. A little woo-woo-y. Two, two, parters making you think about death. Let's do this. <laughs> This is about money. You know what? The only thing that's inevitable is death and taxes. Speaking of, it's almost tax time. You're welcome. I hope you got your taxes in. To everyone, don't panic. Maybe when this episode comes out, it'll be past tax time. We don't know. Don't panic. Yeah. It's fine. Also, file for an extension. I do it every year. Do you really? I already did my taxes. Wow. Well, good for I did, you. I did them on like Jen. Like, no, it can't be Jen. You don't even get your. I almost said your U2s. I'm tired. Shut up, Misty. (laughs) Let's go. Some of us don't feel good about our taxes. Oh, mine weren't great. Great. It was fine. So, okay. So, we're going to talk about. Thanks, Sav. Oh, as always, we're joined by Sav, our producer. Uh, Our imitable, imitable, inimitable. Inimitable. I'll get there. Your mom taught you to say that word. She did. When she was on the mini-sode. Oh, my gosh. Have you all been enjoying our mini-sodes lately? Because I am so stoked about um, the ones we've had. Yeah. So I won't spoil it for you if you haven't listened. Listen. Please do. Okay, this is, without further ado, The Total Money Makeover, a proven plan for financial fitness by Dave Ramsey. I read the third edition. What do you think so far? T-shirt cannon. T-shirt cannon. Yes, thank you. <laughs> what if, like, a Laker girl just came in all of a sudden oh, to the podcast Oh, I don't need today? that right now. Okay, so... <laughs> Okay, so you're wondering uh, probably how much this book costs. I'll tell you. Thanks for asking, Lisa. The hardcover is $16.19. The Kindle, also $16.19, which is weird. The paperback, $13.59. Audible, $15.96. Or I think I paid $15.95 for the credit this month, so that's cool. Interesting. Probably free on your OverDrive app. Oh, I hope so. Um 
or will be at some point. Thank you. So this is a huge book. So who is Dave Ramsey? Let me tell you all about the author. Is he related to Gordon? (laughs) Uh, They're both condescending, that's for sure. So maybe they have that in common. (laughs) Which we'll get to. Did I evaluate this book? (laughs) No. No. And actually, okay, we'll get to all of it. Don't worry. That is not, I I really enjoyed this book. We will get to this. This is a review and a critique. Uh, This is from Uh DaveRamsey.com. Dave Ramsey is a personal money management expert and extremely popular national radio personality. Oh, Mm-hmm. Like conservative? <clears throat> His seven best-selling books, Financial Peace, uh, More Than Enough, yep. Total Money Makeover, uh, Entre Leadership, Thank you. Dave Ramsey's Complete Guide to Money, yeah. The Legacy Journey, <gasps> and Smart Money, Smart Kids Ooh. have sold more than 11 million copies combined. <sighs> By age 26, he had established a $4 million real estate portfolio only to lose it all by age 30. Uh-oh. Using the wisdom he gained, Ramsey rebuilt his financial life and now teaches others how to be responsible with their money so they can acquire enough wealth to take care of loved ones, retire with dignity, and give generously to others. Retire with dignity. This is what dignity sounds like. I Excuse me, but I must retire with dignity to the ladies' room. Thank you. Um, teach me that. No. Nope. <laughs> Lisa just. Lisa. I can't Stop. even do it. Lisa is trying to. What are we? Four minutes in, and she's already making fart noises. Okay. So, um, thank you. I am You're welcome. With dignity. Thank you. From the ladies' room. We're back, baby. So he will remind us about this many times throughout the book, but basically he had that real estate fortune when he was in his 20s, lost, lost it all it. by 30, and then became a millionaire again before he was 40. By real estate or by writing books about how to be smart with money? Uh, I, th- I will explain this in the rest of the bio. Here we go. In 1992, Ramsey founded the Lampo Group LLC to provide financial counseling through various means to anyone who wants to better understand the principles of proper money management. He runs a multi-million dollar company with a nationally recognized brand, but he defines success by the number of lives changed through his message of hope. Ramsey offers that life-changing message as host of national of a nationally syndicated radio program, The Dave Ramsey Show, which is heard by 14 million listeners each week. T-shirt cannon. <sighs> See, this is why I'm nervous to do this book, but y'all, fuck it. Here we go. He is the creator of Financial Peace University, okay. a program that helps people dump their debt, take control of their money, and learn new behaviors around money that are founded on commitment and accountability. More than 5 million people have attended. More than a million people have attended one of his live events, inc- uh, including more than 40,000 entre leadership participants, whatever the fuck that means. His high school and college curriculums are offered in more than 16,000 schools and education institutions. Okay. The Dave Says syndicated column is available to more than 8 million readers monthly. Please tell me that's spelled with a Z. <laughs> Thank you, yes. Dave Says. Uh, thousands of children have enjoyed his entertaining and educational book series. DaveRamsey.com offers free informational articles and streaming of the Dave Ramsey Show. Ramsey earned his Bachelor of Science in Finance and Real Estate from the University of Tennessee. You can follow Dave on Twitter at Dave Ramsey. That's Dave spelled like Dave and R-A-M-S-E-Y and on the web at DaveRamsey.com. And really quickly, I normally talk about the author's website, I think, at the end a little bit. But that 
website is a powerhouse. There is this awesome investment calculator. There's debt management tools. There's um, uh, reminders of what we're about to cover in the book. It I actually found it to be an incredible website. Everybody <clears throat> click away from your podcast app and go right to that website. <laughs> Damn you, Lisa. Okay. This book is also the, uh, this book, The Total Money Makeover, is the number one bestseller on Amazon in the education workbooks category. So this He's huge. I mean, he's got an enormous audience. So my first impressions when I picked up the book. So uh, the cover. Did you read, read? I did not. I listened, listened. Thank you. Uh, to the audiobook, uh, which I will play a clip of for you in fair. a moment because wow. I need to share what he sounds like. Okay. So the cover is Dave Ramsey, who's a bald white guy, yep. looking at me knowingly from behind his glasses. Excuse me. The cover boasts that he has a radio show called The Dave Ramsey Show with four and a half million listeners each week. So then in his his bio on the website, it said 14. It's some kind of million people, give or take 10. Sure. Um, the cover also— Probably uh, the downloads. They're counting downloads. And sure. Maybe that was— the cover also tells us that it's a New York Times bestseller mm-hmm. and has a red circle boasting three million copies sold and lives changed. Thank you. Which is arguable. Yours Another was. printing of the book said four million copies sold, and then the information on Amazon said five million copies sold. So, like, who can care? It's millions. <laughs> How many pages is it? The hardcover is 272 pages, and the audiobook is three hours and 41 minutes long oh if you listen God. to it on normal speed. So it's a quick read. Oh, is three hours and 40-some minutes short? Oh, my God, so short. Okay. Normally, they're like 10 hours. Like, a narrative book is like 10 hours. Wowie, wow. Um, or, or like, The Five Love Languages was like almost six hours. That's a lot of listening. It's a lot. But, you know, it goes it goes pretty quickly, okay. uh, three hours. Because it's like if you're in your car half an hour each way. All right. It takes you three days. All right. And a half. Uh, so, when I first started listening, there were two things that I noticed right away. One, you hated his voice. It's not his voice. He's super condescending, and that's why I'm going to play you a clip. Okay. He reads the book himself, and I don't know that I would have kept listening after five minutes if I hadn't had to read it for this podcast. Okay. I will say uh, that I think this book could be much better received if his condescending tone weren't involved, (laughs) so I'd recommend physically reading this book, (laughs) unless you're into that sort of thing. (laughs) But here's the thing. I also think that— so many people just want a strong voice and a strong leader. And I think I love how hard you're laughing. I'm so excited to hear his voice. I think he Listen, is. A lot of times I just need a man to tell me what to do with my money. Mickey. No, it's not that. I don't know but what I think, to do with my money. I think money. sometimes when people are super fucking opinionated, people just go, oh, he knows what he's talking about. I mean, about. well, think about Suze Orman. Like, she is also very opinionated about money. Yeah, I would love to cover one of her books. Oh, I guess we should say Lisa and I are embarking. We're going to call it a, a financial series, mm-hmm. but really, it's it's so far it's going to be two books. So we might continue. We might continue. Um, let us know. But this is such a huge part of taking control of your life and self help, and it's one of the most prolific areas of self help. So, uh, yeah. and I am personally very excited to dive in. So um, I do want to say, given all that criticism about his condescending tone and, you know, um, how he comes across, after finishing the book, I did find that it had a lot of worthwhile information and perspective. So it was worth it for me to read. But just know that going in. T-shirt canon. Yeah. So um, here's a clip. Okay. And yet you're doing worse on your car deal. 
if you put $378 per month in a cookie jar for just 10 months, you have almost $4,000 for a cash car. Shut up, Dad. I'm not <laughs> suggesting you drive a $4,000 car your Hold whole on. life, but that's how you start without debt. Then you can save the same amount again and trade up to an $8,000 car 10 months later yeah. and up to a $12,000 car. So that that is, by the way, that's not the worst of it. That was just the first clip that I pulled up. So it does, he gets to be like, well, then you wouldn't be in debt, would you? Shut you up, know? Dad. Yeah, it's it's intense. So that's what you, that's what you can expect if you listen. T-shirt can. So the second thing I noticed as far as first impressions is he, and this is something that you and I have noticed a lot in recent books, he uses the metaphor of physical fitness to explain financial fitness. Mm -hmm. And I found this very problematic because he fat shames a ton throughout the book. Mm -hmm. He's constantly using language like, oh, take your fat and flabby finances and turn them into a slim and healthy six-pack investment, that sort of thing. Pardon me, but I'd rather have a fat bank account. Yeah, it actually got confusing. The <laughs> metaphor did not Sav work. Sav is nodding his head. He's like, me too. Yeah, yeah, because he was like, you'll get in slim budgets. And I'm like, what? Uh, so, but it's, it's yet another book that values thinness mm -hmm. and is rampant throughout the book. So um, know that that could be triggering for some people. He's also, just like the uh, Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, um, he also identifies as a Christian and that's woven in throughout the book. It's mm -hmm. not, it doesn't really affect um, any of the actual advice he's giving except in the end when he's talking about all the tithing. great things you can do. Yeah, yes, tithing and helping churches and like, you know, that sort of thing. Great. Okay, you ready to dive in? I want to get knee deep in Ramsey. Thank you. You just want to ram, ram in the Ramsey. How did I miss that? I don't let's know. Let's ram right so up in Ramsey. Let's do this. <laughs> T-shirt cannon. So as far as book structure, so you have an overview of what we're going to talk about. Indeed. He walks us through a philosophical foundation about money okay. um, to start, including myths about debt and myths about money, and then a plan for how to get out of debt, then a plan to build wealth step by step. So he actually lays out specific things you can do for each phase, which I found very very helpful. He also gets very into the nitty gritty, like discussing what types of mortgages you should take out if you have to take out a mortgage and exactly when to start saving for retirement and what types of accounts to put everything in and what percentages to put in those accounts. So if you are totally new to like, how the fuck do I get out of debt and build wealth? Yeah. This is a good place to start. That is, especially, you know, like I, I was very fortunate that when I started my first um, real job that had a 401k, you know, I mm. got to call my dad and I say, how much do I invest? He said, as much as they'll let you yeah. match it. And it's, yeah. And it, especially if a company matches, which he talks about all of that too. So if you don't have a family member or a close uh, family friend that you would trust to help you understand where to invest or what kinds of accounts to invest, this is a great, um, yeah. albeit sounds slightly condescending person to trust. Yes. And I am, I do invest and I started investing like five years ago. I stopped actively investing it when I went freelance. Um, but I, I will say I'm self-taught and I had to just talk to friends and just talk to my family. And now I find that I am the one calling up my sisters, calling up my cousins, you know, and saying, we should be talking about finances more. Mm -hmm. 
for whatever reason, money is still a taboo subject. We're all trying to act like we have a lot of it. Mm -hmm. But I found out a friend of mine whom I respect is $30,000 in credit card debt. I found it out last week, and it's something that people don't often say. But I personally, even though it's uncomfortable, think that we should all be talking about financial health. Well, I told you that. Um, right now, this, there's this indicator um, of, of the country's financial health, and I want to say it was either 40 or 60 percent of people are two months behind on their car payments, two to three months behind. Oh, my God. Really? It's a huge indicator of recession. Um, and so we're headed for another recession. And mo- oh. I would say 60 per- – I think it's 60 percent or 70 percent of American households don't have – um, a six-month emergency fund, meaning that if a, yes, and we're going to get into emergency yeah. funds and why they're wildly important. More well, than you think so. We're most people, I would say, Misty. I think most people are still not out of the previous um, recession. Uh-huh. And if you think about a lot of people who are now in their early thirties or mid twenties, um, they were not of earning income age in yeah. the last recession, so they are now feeling the effects of the. Um, uh, like the ripple. Yeah, but like this, the shared economy and the gig mm-hmm. economy yeah. where you don't have benefits to earn and establish wealth and establish right. retirement income. Yeah. So so there's a lot happening all, all at the same time. So this is a great place for a lot of people to start. It is. It is. And, uh, and again, I just invite all of us to strike up a conversation with those around us, even if it's just your family, if you're scared to talk about it. But I know people clam up and they get scared, but we're never going to make strides in the generations above and below us and those to come after us if we aren't talking about financial health. And I want to tell you, I am terrified for the baby boomers who need to head into senior living because it is so expensive, yeah, Misty. You were telling me it's like, what is it, 60 grand a year? Oh, more Five than that. Five grand a month? What Ma- is it depends. Uh, like a county home is terrible. Not it's a cr- good place to be. But the it can go anywhere from 2000 to 10000 a month. Yes. And I don't think we have an appreciation for, because we all think we're going to live forever and or, die in Or our sleep. we just think that's that's tomorrow Misty's problem. But that's also 10 years like, from, like, yeah. What if, you, what if God forbid, one yeah. of us has a massive stroke and has to enter a, a assisted living much earlier than we planned? Oh, my God. Our, our retirement fund will be gone and oh medicare only covers certain kinds of facilities and certain oh yeah kinds you, of treatments. you so, will burn through 40 grand in six months of assisted life. i mean it's no so god so see, people uh, need to really I, I love that you're inviting people to have conversations about this we do we need to we need to meet it head on yeah i really think so and find a can, financial consultant it can only help find we, a financial consultant who's a fiduciary because that means they're they're bound by law to help you in your best interests great. not just a financial consultant but they can help you get on track great St- saving great. something is better than nothing yeah and we will get into several different strategies to do that i just think i think it's in the consumerist economy and credit card company's best interest to keep money taboo because if we're all going, oh, no, here's how you pay things on time. Here's how you get ahead. Here's how you don't get into the trap in the first place. Then they don't get interest. So anyway, observing. Yeah. Um, Okay. So he lays out all the specific steps for each phase. He gets into the nitty gritty, like I said. He also shares a lot of stories throughout the book that highlight successes of people who have used the the method, but it also feels like a constant ad throughout the book for something that 
you're already reading. And one review I read after after I read the book was like, this feels like it maybe could have been like a 30-page e-book that's padded a little bit. Oh, so, 30 I mean, pages into how many? Uh, 272. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was just one review. That doesn't mean it's accurate. They were okay. trying to be funny. Okay, okay. So he also warns us at the top. This is not some get-rich-quick scheme. No. In fact, his first step to getting out of debt, he says, takes on average two and a half years. Yes. And then one of one of the steps can take up to seven years. So this plan is truly for the long term, but it is so that, as he says, things that maybe once would have been life-changing events for you, yeah. like losing a job yeah. or, or having your transmission go or something that would yeah. have thrown your whole world out of whack— just become minor inconveniences. Yeah, absolutely. So if that's the life you want to live, follow this method. All right. So, ram it up. Um, okay. First of all, Dave advocates for a completely payment-free life. Ease it up, Dave. Let it sink in for a second. Free of a motherfucking house payment, free of a car payment, and free of any debt. So is that the end goal? <clears throat> or That is like the middle step. To get to where you want to be. So we'll get there. Meaning you need to buy a home within your means and pay off the mortgage. Yes. Or he talks about a 100% down plan, which I know Lisa just took off her glasses. Do they live in California? That's my, yes. And I, that is the biggest thing for me. I said, this felt huge and radical and he explains how to do it. And I think... For many places in America, if you were looking at buying a $200,000 home, a $150,000 home, that is potentially, depending on your habits and your income, something you can do. You could buy that home outright. A teardown in my neighborhood is $1.3 million. Excuse me. In Santa Monica, five years ago, a house without a kitchen went listed for $9.99.99. Yes, thank you. And that, and by the way, that teardown is like the world's shittiest bungalow, and it's it's crooked, and the foundation's all fucked up, and people pay it. Yeah. And then they build a $700,000 house on the top of it, yeah. and then they sell it for $4 million. Yeah. So it's it's... It is not something that yeah. you can do without an excessive amount of income yeah. early in your life in New York, in San Francisco, in Los Angeles. I imagine in certain parts of Chicago. Like There's it's a lot of just, intergenerational wealth that needs to happen for that. Yeah. Or you can do it when you've built up your investments the way he says, when you are 60. Yeah. And then you can do it. So so that is my uh, biggest complaint about that. But so here we go. He says the average household income in America is around $40,000 a year yeah. combined. This adds up to about $2 million in the average working lifetime. So we will be earning millions of dollars in our lives on average, and we need to th- rethink the way that we manage that money. What is your face, Lisa? Well, I love that he's like, this means millions of dollars in our lifetime. It means Two million in our lifetime. Yeah, it means assuming nobody gets cancer, nobody gets leveled with medical debt. No, he talks about this. He covers it all, baby. All right, let's jump in. So Dave starts by telling us that everything that we've been taught is wrong, and that we have to form new habits and thinking patterns, as many self help books start with. He starts off by saying that we have all been taught that debt is a tool 
that we need to use in order to build wealth. Like you need to take out a credit card and make payments so that you can buy the house that you want or that you need to take out a loan to start a business. Like it's this tool that can help us get where we want to go. Um, But he says debt is not a tool and you don't need it in order to build wealth, which is definitely against what I was taught. Um, Yeah, I I also thought that like buying a car and making payments was another way to make sure I could get approved for the mortgage I wanted. But he says we need to be reeducated. And he says that a total money makeover is 80% psychological. Sure. So his motto is, and he says you can repeat this during the, the entire process. This is his thesis of the book. If you live like no one else, later on, you can live like no one else. So I sure. I would amend that to say living like no one else will now means you can live like no one else can in the future. That makes sense. I wholeheartedly contest with the fact that you don't need to to take out loans or use use debt to build credit. Yeah. So what he says about that is that you don't actually need history of debt repayment to build credit because when you want a mortgage, you can actually find an underwriter who will intimately get to know the details of your life and financial situation and not just your FICO credit score. I'm sure as a (laughs) – okay. Okay. See, here's the thing. I don't own a home. I'm not a homeowner because I don't have a cash 1.3 to tear down. I've owned two. I've owned two you properties. You own two properties? Yeah, in Chicago. So fancy. So, you know, maybe as a maybe as a white man it's very easy yeah. to assume that you'll that an underwriter will write you and take the time to get to know your innermost uh, financial workings. Totally. But um if you don't have good credit, yeah. All right. He says do not use credit cards because people like you and I might look at it and go, yes, I, I want the rewards points. I want the airlines, the airline miles. I'm going to treat it like it's a debit card. I'm going to pay it off in full always. 60% of Americans do not pay it off in full. Right. So everybody goes in with the best of intentions. And it's basically this idea that if you're playing with fire, you're going to get burned. So you're better not to play with fire in the first place. For me, I do enjoy getting the, I get a, a like a, a few hundred dollars back a year if I, you know, shop with it and earn yeah, enough points yeah. to get the statement credit. Yeah. It's worth it for me. It saves me money. Yeah. I get points for things, but not everyone in my family is so lucky to be in that situation. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah I understand that. Um, <clears throat> okay. So um, he also, he, uh, so as far as this like live like no one else will right now, you can live like no one else can in the future. He is talking about driving older beat-up cars if you have to in order to not have payments and get out of debt in your fucking face, Jensen Chero. Thank you. To stop keeping up with the the Joneses because as he reveals in his book, often the Joneses are broke. Also, the Joneses are terrible people. The Joneses, (laughs) they don't even have a good name. No, they're worse. Um, They're worse than the Joneses. This can mean not buying your extended family Christmas presents, not going out to eat twice a week, or even stopping your daily coffee run. Mm -hmm. So again, living like no one else will now means you can live like no one else can in the future. So Mm -hmm. it's this idea of this temporary, Mm -hmm. but temporary could be two or three years, right? It depends on your situation and the debt you're in and your goals. So he talks about debt myths and money myths. One of the debt myths that really stuck out for me was the myth that car payments are a way of life. 
because I know a lot of people who lease cars, and so they all, you know, it's like, oh, well, there's the warranty and the brand new car, and every three years they get to trade them in, and and that sort of idea. Um, so here's what here's how he debunks the myth. He says the average car payment in America is about three hundred and seventy eight dollars, and that as soon as a car is paid off, people tend to trade trade it in for a new one because they feel like they need it or it's time, etc. But he says this is a huge problem. If you, here's the math. If you have a car payment of $378 Mm -hmm, a month mm -hmm. from age 25 to age 65, Mm -hmm. your total cost is $181,440. Over the course of 40 years, it's manageable. You know, you can get through that. But if you had no car payment, and you instead invested that $378 a month over the same time period in an average mutual fund Mm -hmm. that averages 12%, which, by the way, is the 60-year market average, very average, you would have, in the same time period, $4,447,084. a gift of compounded interest. Then he shouts, hope you like the car, (laughs) like an asshole. (laughs) So... This is one of the things this basically encompasses his entire philosophy of like make these sacrifices now and 15 and 20 years from now, you're going to be fucking swimming in it. Right. So he says, don't buy cars you can't afford. Buy used cars in cash so you don't have payments. Like basically instead of paying the interest, et cetera, just save the money you would have been making in a payment anyway. Mm -hmm. And you can – the clip you heard at the beginning was like, so you can buy a $4,000 car, keep saving the money, trade it in for an $8,000 car, Mm -hmm. save the money, trade it in for a $12,000 car, and then you're in a $12,000 car, you know, two years from now with no payments. Yeah. Um, so he says this is these are the kinds of sacrifices you have to make to get financially healthy. He uh, talks about why debt consolidation is bad because it doesn't get at the root of the problem. I really also like that he has a ton. His site offers a lot of like financial planning and advisors, but he he says flat out, we will not manage your money for you. You have to manage your mm-hmm, money or mm-hmm. you're never going They'll to. Learn. Yeah. Yeah. So I really respected that. He's not going, you don't know how to do this and you're you need to call me, you know? Yeah. So um he also he covers everything. So pre-planning the details of your funeral is wise, but prepaying is unwise. In this sort of a, a similar example to the car payments. If you took $3,500 now to prepay for your funeral, okay, but if you instead took that $3,500 and put it into a, a, a mutual fund and you live another 30 years, uh, I think it's 30, it might be 40, you would have over $300,000 mm-hmm. in that, just from that one investment, which mm-hmm. would more than pay for your funeral, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, also what's, I, I, I don't disagree with him. Also what's missing here is people's, um, tolerance for stuff. Yes. Their risk aversion and risk tolerance. Yeah. So some people will have grown up having the experience of not having enough money to bury a significant other. Yes. Uh, they didn't have, you know, and so for them, it is worth the anxiety. Well, here's what I'll argue. If you put it in a mutual fund that has no penalties for withdrawal and you name someone as the beneficiary, they will get the money when you die anyway. So why not leave it in a place where it can grow? I don't disagree. We don't have control over when we die. Yeah. So we assume that in thirty years it'll be no, 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 no. Even if it's thirty five hundred and you die next week, oh, that you're person can still that. get the money. You're saying do that now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Is that like some yeah. people would say, I, I agree with you, Mr. Ramsey. Yeah. Um, I also have 
an entire, I have a very, I'm very risk averse to not being able to pay for a that's funeral. Right. That's right. And it peace brings, of mind. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Exactly. And I, you know. So for, so he's bringing up the thing, if it doesn't, if it's not a big deal to you, this is a, this is a thing that you could actually make more money if it, right? Yeah. He's just saying like, here's an example yes. of how your money could be working a lot fucking harder for yes. you, assuming. And that is probably my biggest critique of the book is it's basically, although you will start to things your the money you invest and save will start to compound an in interest mm-hmm. around year 15 he says is when it starts to get really interesting mm-hmm. um the Provided thing that there are no um recessions right the thing that which he he which he says you know if you choose good investment like healthy investments even when they go down long term yes. they'll go back up yes. so um that's his reply to that but uh it, it's all like, oh, cool, you'll have millions of dollars when you're in your 60s or 70s. So, and he addresses, we're going to get to how to pay for college, how to pay off your mortgage, how to save for retirement, all that stuff. But it is one of those things that feeds into this very stereotypical American dream of like work your entire life towards something and then enjoy your life, which, and I've brought it up a few times on the podcast. We have not covered it yet, but the four hour work week by Timothy Ferris offers a complete alternative to that lifestyle. So, and also that's not a millennial approach. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not. So, um, so I want to get to the meat and potatoes, the steps of what we do. So I'm just going to quickly breeze through what he covers before that. He talks about you know, avoid declaring bankruptcy if at all possible. Yes, yes. Debt management companies tend to advise this quote unquote solution prematurely. It actually stays with you a lot longer than you think, even yes. longer than the seven and 10 year time periods that chapter nine and chapter 13 um, uh, make you think. He also covers how to handle debts if you're going to leave a marriage, mm-hmm. because that is a, a different uh, untangling. I really loved that he covered this next part. He says, you need insurance for the following items, even if you don't have a lot in savings, if it's all you can do for now. He says, uh, depending on your situation and the health benefits you receive in your country, you need auto and homeowner insurance, mm-hmm. life insurance. Yes, Long-term disability. Yes, Dave Ramsey. And health insurance. Yes, Dave He Ramsey. says the number one cause of bankruptcy today is medical bills Thank and long, long-term care insurance. He shares a story of a young couple in their late 20s who got health insurance and long-term life insurance because they heard him on the podcast. Or... <laughs> What, on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Time is a Circle, they they uh, read his book, uh, and then the husband was diagnosed with inoperable brain cancer shortly after. He wouldn't have been eligible for the life insurance if he had waited until after his diagnosis, and the health insurance has already helped cover like a hundred grand in medical bills. So he will probably die, right? He may no longer be with us, but his widow will be taken care of and not stuck with... All that medical debt. Yes. She'll have some, for sure, because it's so expensive. But way, way better. Less. Yeah, way and so I love that he said that. And that that is really hard to get health insurance. That is hard. But I have to say, my life insurance... And he talks about do not do ones that are like a combined saving. Do not do that. And he explains sort of the exact same math if you invested that money in... By the time you actually break down what fees there are and who gets what, you're not actually saving any money. Uh, But mine is $24 a month. Mm -hmm. And if I die suddenly, my sisters, my mom, and and my aunt are, like, 
covered. You know, I mean, they'll each get a nice check and it will make their something good will come out of something mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's $24 a month. So, And I just want to say, truly, for some people, yeah. that is beyond their capabilities yes. right now. Well, and... It's more expensive if you get it. I signed up for this plan when I was like 26. Mm-hmm. After my dad died, I was like, I need life insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more expensive if because they'll test you for your health. And mm-hmm. I have high cholesterol, mm-hmm. so it's more. You know what I mean? If I were 35, it'd be more. It's that It's that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, people don't, don't wait. Um, he also says you are going to die. So make a will. Mm-hmm. It ensures your money goes where you would want it to go. And, and he says this and he's so fucking right. Everybody, please pay attention. If you have not been actively listening to this part, a will will save your family a ton of pain and headache by laying out what you actually want to happen with your stuff. Mm-hmm. People get weird in grief. They get greedy in mm-hmm. grief. There's a weird scarcity thing that happens, and the ugliest parts of your family can be brought out. Make a motherfucking will. Thank you. You can also get um, LegalZoom.com. Yeah. You can get legal documents done without having to pay a lawyer. I love that. Um, so there's places online where you can do that for a cheaper rate than it would right. be to go in and have a lawyer do it. I will also add... Get a living will, yeah. which is telling your family and being very explicit about what you want to have done, your legal directives when you are on life support. Yeah, and you can actually file advanced directives yeah. with your state and hospitals, and they'll check if you have, like, if you are do not resuscitate, if X, Y, and Z happens, you can do that. This is all really daunting, and I have to say, I haven't gotten a will yet, and I've, I printed out the advanced directive forms about six years ago and haven't filled them out. So just want to acknowledge, it is hard. It is scary. It's low on my priority list. But if we all took a Saturday morning— yeah. It's, to do I this. feel like it's really compassionate because it's not about you. It's, it's about, about the people that are going to be. Because can you imagine walking in and having to decide, do we pull the plug or do we not? Like the burden is lifted off of you if they go, well, Misty has this advanced directive that says she wants you to do it. Or imagine if it, you and your views disagreed with your family's religion. Yes. Then your significant other has to has to argue for you. Yes, I just always think of Terry oh Schiavo my, down in Florida. Yes. That was a terrible thing. But, you know, the living will really helps prevent yes. those terrible situations. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's not about you. It's about helping your family. Yeah. So um, he also says get rid of your credit cards for reasons we talked about earlier. He says there's a myth that debit cards are less secure in the event of theft or fraud. But it's not true. They're actually protected by the same policies. Mm-hmm. Um he, uh, oh, here we go. Da, 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 da. We already talked about the FICO score, and you can find an underwriter. Um, okay, here's another myth. You can't go to college without student loans. Now, I'm jumping ahead in the book, mm-hmm. but he says the truth. You absolutely can. Will it be easy? Maybe not. Will, will it be worth it? Totally. So he says there are college-specific scholarships. Yep. There's grants. There's federal and state aid, and that is aid, not a loan. Um, he says you can even enlist in the military to get four free years yeah. of college. He says um, if you are uh, paying for college out of your own pocket, you know, there are things like you can do community college for less money and then transfer to a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has uh, some college planning links on his website, DaveRamsey.com. And he, he just says there are alternatives to loans when it comes to funding college tuition. Many colleges offer work-study opportunities, which are essentially part-time jobs offered on campus. I, I kind of rolled my eyes at this because, like, a lot of my friends had, like, a 20-hour-a-week job that paid, like, $800 a semester. And it's like, you're working for $8 an hour. That's not really work-study helpful. So it is a flawed system. 
But um, he just says waiting tables, working as a barista, even finding a retail job can help to offset your school expenses. You could even create a business, tutor other students, blah, 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 blah. And I have to say, I did this. I graduated from college with no debt. And I got a lot of federal aid because I was identified as a student of need. Um, I got a lot of scholarships because I did very well in high school. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, I had a guidance counselor who helped me apply. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have even known that there are all these scholarships out there. Um, and and then I worked my entire way through college. So, you know, I, I was a, a waitress and I was a jello shot girl at a bowling alley. Yeah, Let's unpack that. T-shirt cannon. I wore like, yeah, right? But it's like I had a collared shirt and long black pants. Like it sounds a lot more salacious than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's. It's possible depending on the circumstances, but just he his example was there was one woman who spent an entire summer, like three full months, applying for every scholarship she could. She literally applied for 1,000 scholarships, like 70 per, no, more than that, turned her down. But she got 30 of them, mm-hmm. right? So percentage-wise, that's like 3%. That's but Hall she of Fame. got them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, so— Let's get to the meat and potatoes of how to, now that we've got this philosophy and we've unpacked debt myths and money myths and college and all that, um, let's get to his actual plan to get out of debt and build wealth. First, you must make a written budget every single month. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a relationship, you and your spouse or significant other must agree on this. He says you must tell every single dollar what to do or it will disappear. Give them all a job so that your inflow Mm -hmm. and outflow are zero. Mm -hmm. He says you have to do this every month. It's not like I made a budget on that app Mint a long time ago. Every month is not the same for me. Even when you're working uh, full time. There some months have five weeks. February only has twenty eight days, so rents due a few days sooner. You know, he it's wants not... you to really know. He wants you to have a balance sheet, yeah, and, ba- and balance your assets and your liabilities every yeah, month. Yeah, which sounds like a chore, and it sounds like a lot of mental work. But listen, you're, running you're, a business. Not, you're not going to get ahead not knowing what the fuck your money's doing. So, like, learn this, do the work now, and, and it will benefit you later. You're running the business of you, right? Think that's beautifully said, Lisa. Mm-hmm. So he says you have to do this every month because every month is different. Uh, birthdays come up, annual payments like renters insurance, flights for the holidays, somebody's wedding—they're always changing. So you must allocate where every single dollar is going to go. And if something unexpected comes up, you must then readjust the budget. So if you have to get your car repaired and it's an extra fifty dollars, you've got to take that out of another part of the budget so that it all nets zero. Because he he does not live on credit cards. Yeah, and also you living on credit cards is just borrowed money anyway. It's mm-hmm. not you actually doing it. So the foundation of this approach is focus. You mm-hmm. have to be really focused and intense. He calls it gazelle intensity because they're very intense when they're in the field. I think that's a terrible metaphor. Because they're about to be eaten by a fucking lion. Well, also, but like they're so intense and they can outsmart the lion. But it just didn't strike me as like a very evocative animal. Okay. Yeah. So Like an owl. Owls yeah. are intense. Yep. Yeah. So he says, if you try and do everything at once, progress will be slow. Sure. So he does some things that might seem like they're out of order, but it's in order to like trick the human psyche into mm-hmm. going, ooh, I had some success. Great. And then And then moving on. Great. Um, so he says, follow the steps in order and don't try to do more 
uh, then advise for the step you are on. So we've got a written budget. It's unique for this month. We've agreed on it. We've given every dollar a job. Step one is now begin the emergency fund. Sure. So this step is necessary to stop you from getting derailed in subsequent in subsequent steps when unexpected expenses occur. If your household income is greater than $20,000, aim for a $1,000 emergency fund to start. If your household income is less than $20,000, aim for a $500 emergency fund. He says you have to save this up as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. Sell things, get a part-time job, Mm -hmm. whatever you need to do, call in things. Yeah, get that buffer as fast as you can and keep it somewhere, not in your house, because you will, he says, this is for emergencies. You'd be surprised how quickly, oh, I didn't have any cash for my son for his field trip. If you keep it around, you'll be mm-hmm. surprised what you find are emergencies. Keep it somewhere liquid like a bank or in a mutual fund that has no penalties if you take it, but somewhere you can access it very, very quickly. Um, so here's the philosophy behind the emergency fund. If you don't have an emergency fund, You're going to put things on credit cards. You're Mm going to open up a credit card. You're going to go into debt. It's going to start this cycle of like terrible interest payments and getting further into debt, et cetera. Um, So having even a $1,000 buffer, he says, can be – it may seem like a very simple step, especially if you're like, cool, got it. I've got $1,000 in my bank account. Great. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. But for some people, this is like the entire crux yeah. of their money makeover. What prevents them from going into debt. Exactly. So what might have been a life-changing event for you before where you couldn't pay rent if you suddenly had your transmission go or it had a $1,000 medical bill or something, now that's not going to happen. So that's your yeah. – that's step one. Yeah. I mean, and I think for some people that's a goal that uh, is challenging to reach. You know, there are yes. some people who are struggling, who are behind on rent. So they're yes. not going to be able to get a safety, that's uh, right. a, an emergency fund until they are uh, liquid. Yeah. And that's why he says, do whatever you can. Work on the weekends temporarily. Get a friend to call in the money you loaned them. You know, like whatever, sell things as long as they're not antiques. Like get it as fast as you can, even before you start reducing your debt, even before you start saving. Um, so uh, he's, yeah, he says, you know, have a garage sale, do whatever you can to get it as quickly as possible. If you end up using your emergency fund for any reason throughout the process, stop every single thing you're doing and go back to this step before you do anything else because it is your buffer mm-hmm. between the worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is to increase your emergency fund over time, which we'll get to in a later step, just in case you're wondering, so that if you lose your job, hopefully you have three to six months of yeah, income. Yeah, I was going to say what I always hear, six months. Yeah, so he he actually breaks down which one. So, for example, if you are freelance or if you are a one-income household, you want six months. If you're a two-income household and you can probably get away with three months. But it's just like, here's the goal to aim for. He always tells people, have as big of an emergency fund as you can. Um, but but the goal is eventually to have three to six months again so that if your company suddenly downsizes or there's a recession, it does not derail the rest of your life. Right. So this, if I sound fired up, it's because I am fired up. Yeah. I do feel passionately about this. I want people to be healthy. I want to be healthy, financially healthy. Um, so this is all to keep big events big life events from ruining you financially. So step two, and this is basically what Dave Ramsey is known for, start the debt snowball. 
So again, he says this step is mathematically illogical, but we're dealing with human psychology. So this is to get us some wins fast so that when things start to get harder, we're like, okay, we got this. We mm-hmm, practiced mm-hmm. this. So you you use your gazelle intensity. Owl and, intensity. Yeah. So what you do is first and foremost, you get current on all of your debts before you start this process. So if you are three payments behind on something or you're going to get evicted or whatever, it's important to Get current on all your debts. We're not saying pay like, them off. We're not saying pay them off. But we just, are saying minimum payment. Get it in there so people aren't calling you. Right. Right. So if you've got ten thousand dollars in get credit current. card debt and you owe twenty five bucks, pay that twenty five bucks and get current. So what you do is you make a list of all of your debts from smallest to largest, mm-hmm. except for your house. We're not worrying about house payment and the debt snowball. And what you do is once you've got the $1,000 emergency fund or 500 and you are current on all of your debts, um, you pay off the smallest one first. Mm -hmm. And that probably doesn't sound very logical, but when people kind of scatter their money across, it's not helpful Mm -mm. because you're barely maintaining. you got to close one out and get it done. Yeah, so what you do, so say, so, so basically if you can pay off that nagging phone bill from six months ago or that medical bill that's been lying around that's $150 from your last visit to urgent care or whatever. Get it off your chest. Get that off your chest. So what you do is you then start putting all your money towards every spare dollar you can find towards that smallest debt. So let's say that's $25 a month, right? And you pay it off as quickly as you can. Once that is paid off, you take that same $25 a month and you add it to that payment you've been doing to keep current on your next Next biggest Mm -hmm. debt. So like a snowball, Mm -hmm. as it rolls over and over, it gets bigger and bigger. So once you've paid off that second biggest debt, let's say it's $75, now you've got $100 you've been paying there. And then you start to pay off the third biggest debt faster. So this is a way for you to sort of uh, the dominate. Biggest or the, oh, from the bottom. One, two, three, four. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you start with the smallest, then the s- second smallest, and then the th- right. third small. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the idea is that finally when you're paying off that thing that seemed impossible, like your $50,000 student loans or whatever it is, you're actually by then hopefully practiced at and you don't have the other debt anymore paying off $1,000 a month and actually seeing it go down. So it sounds like what I think a lot of people do is they pay off one debt uh, or one account, and then they feel like that money, they don't have to worry about that money anymore. And he's saying, no, keep paying that money. Yeah, keep keep living within those means. That's right. And just throwing it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. which I think is a cool strategy. And you can see how it's sort of like a waterfall effect. Yeah, well, and I think that it prevents you from using that money for another purpose. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And getting comfortable because he says a couple times in the book, um, good enough is the enemy of the best. Mm-hmm. Like bad is not enemy of the best. It's, oh, good enough. OK, I paid off one debt. Isn't that great for me? Now I'm going to go have $60 brunches. Like, yeah. I don't think yeah. so. Um, and so this is to get you to have some quick wins so that you can keep going. And of course, he has the caveat that um, the only t- time that you should pay off a larger debt sooner than a smaller one is if you have some kind of huge emergency like owing the IRS or you're going to be foreclosed on. But other than that, just start with the smallest and just trust him, even if it feels fucking crazy. Um, Yeah. So he says this, in the event that you are unable to begin tackling your debt, like your budget is stopped up, you're going to have to do something radical. You're going to have to sell your possessions. You're going to have to work overtime. You're going to have to get a second job. There's no way he uses the analogy of like, 
logging and how sometimes a lo- one log can clog up the whole river and they have to come in and blast it with dynamite. A log jam. Thank you. <laughs> T-shirt cannon. So he says, those are just the first two steps. He says, you'll arrive at the beginning of step three in around 18 to 20 months. Mm-hmm. So this is not fast, but no. it, but two years is going to go by. Do you want to be debt-free at the end of it? De- of course, depending on your debt. If you went to medical school or something like, and you have 300 grand in debt, like, that's going to take you longer. Um, so he says that when you reach step three, you should have $1,000 cash and no debt except for your home mortgage. So you might be in step two for quite a long time. Yeah. He says he says 18 to 20 months. But, it, of course, it depends. I think he's going by the American average. How mm-hmm. much, you know, yeah. the average thing. Okay. So now we've made a written budget. We saved $1,000 for our emergency fund. We've gotten current on our debt payments. We've used the debt snowball to get fully out of debt except for our mortgage payments. So step three is finishing the emergency fund, which we already talked about. A full emergency fund covers three to six months of expenses. Um, The emergency fund is applicable to everyone, even those with a guaranteed income. You cannot predict out-of-budget emergencies. Um, And he says the emergency fund is not for investing. This is really important. It must be liquid. We will get to investing later. So, um, yeah, so he says the only exception – to the order of the steps thus far is if you're having an impending major expense, like uh, the layoff, like a layoff or the birth of a child. Um, in this case, you would be wise to focus on step three before step two. So if you suddenly have babies or twins, um, you want to have the emergency fund before you start paying off the debt. Got it. So, yeah. So I do like that he has caveats. Like he's got hard and fast rules and he's like, except for these major things. Um, Saving for a down payment or cash purchase of a home should only occur after steps two and three are complete Mm -hmm. in an ideal world. So again, it's like, okay, so are you just like renting, you know, till you're 40? Like how long does that take? And to other people listening, if you are... Um, not in a major metropolis area, that might be fine. If your rent's like 500 bucks, 700 bucks, that might be fine. Rent in Los Angeles is between two and $5,000. $2,000 a month is on the very low end. And we're talking for a studio. Um, so these are huge mortgage payments, basically, that we're paying every month. Yeah. And I, I mean, I also think about like, if you lived in New York, um, there aren't enough properties for everybody to buy. So yeah. some people will live. In, in a rental for the rest of their life. Oh, yeah, life. of course. Yeah. Yes, of course. So it's it's just circumstantial. But also my point is like, oh, yeah, you can save for your emergency fund when, you've, when you're just renting. It's like, yeah, but what if your rent is oh, the price sa- of a yeah. mortgage? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. I know I remember Susie Orman once said, like, play the rent game or play the down payment game yeah. where you keep your – you pay your rent and for, like, six months you you – Pay, you pay your rent and you pay what you mortgage you think you can. And if you can live in that, then you are then you can afford that home, right? Oh, so and like it, it's not like combined it would be what the mortgage is. It's like so you've got your your two or $3,000 rent and your two or $3,000 mortgage. And if you can do that, then you're fine. If you can do that for six months, you know that you can buy that home. You can afford to live in that home. Does that make sense? God, I can never afford to live in that <laughs> And then she was like, but it, and then if you can't, well, look at the end of that six months, you've got twelve to $15,000 to put away and invest towards um, a down payment. Great. And, and then you can keep saving and doing, you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. So it's a kind yeah. of a nice, a, a nice way to discover because you look and you're like, oh, I can afford that m- mortgage. She's like, well, before you decide that you can afford it, live like it with your current rent. Yeah. 
And because then you've got mortgage. you've got that mortgage and the buffer, assuming that like your your rent payment goes to all the living expenses. Because everything, the, everything something's always broken in a house. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, so step three B. So step three is finish the emergency fund. Step three B is save for a down payment on a property. It's an optional step. Mm-hmm. You should save for a home if you have an itch before moving on to the next step, is what he says. Um, and ideally, now that you're debt free, you can save very, very quickly. quickly, right? I mean, this is all, all that like, stuff that you were paying into debt. You can just roll it over into savings. Well, now if you literally have no payments, but your your home or your rent, you should fees you know, ideally be able and you're living like no one else, and mm-hmm. you're you know like eating rice and beans and whatever to like really save. Theoretically, it wouldn't take you too long to save up a down payment, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for home a few years. But again, a few years, you know, this is a this is an involved, yeah, situation. Um, so you're now debt free, except for your home mortgage. You have three to six months of expenses saved. Um, he says, getting to the end of this step, if you are a gazelle intense, takes the typical family twenty four to thirty months. Okay, so two right? two to two and a half years. Yeah. Maybe, a, you know, it just depends. Sure. Um, okay. So now that we are out of debt, it's time to build wealth. Are you excited? Yeah. Okay. So he talks about different ways of building wealth. He says that we should put 15% of our pre-tax income towards our investments. Mm-hmm. He spreads that 15% over four different kinds of mutual funds, which you can find on his website, DaveRamsey.com. He lays it all out. And he puts 25%, he breaks the 15% of his income into four quarters mm-hmm. and puts 25% each in things like foreign mutual funds, small cap, large cap, etc. Um uh, you, if you want to see the specific breakdown, you can go to DaveRamsey.com slash MyTMMO, which stands for Total Money Makeover. He also talks about investing in Roth IRAs. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do a little more math, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that uh, – so Roth IRAs grow tax-free because mm-hmm. you've already been taxed on the money that you put in. You are ineligible for a Roth IRA if you make over a certain amount of money. But most Americans fall into the category where they are allowed to fund up to $5,500 a year in your Roth. And a lot of us took our 401ks at some point and rolled them over into a Roth uh, yeah. IRA. Yes. Great. This is what I did. I did too. Um, so they grow tax-free. So if you put barely over half of the contribution each year, three thousand dollars. I think yeah, six thousand. Oh, oh, is it six now? I thought it was fifty-five. Between fifty-five and six, I yeah, keep yeah, upping yeah. it. It ups it might, every it might couple up. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shows you when I last contributed. Uh, he says that if you put just three thousand dollars a year in a Roth IRA, um, and you leave it there from age thirty-five. 265. So you're already ahead of the game if you started investing in your 20s. And I cannot urge people enough, even if it's like 200 bucks a year, just throw something in investing um, in your 20s. Because again, instead of waiting till you're 65, you'll have all that money when you're 55, right? So it's going to be very exciting. So anyway, if you invest three grand in a Roth IRA from age 35 to age 65, and your fund averages 12% a year. every year putting in three grand? Every year putting in three grand. I want to be clear. When you're 65, you will have 873,000 thousand dollars tax free 
and you will have only invested $90,000, three grand a year for 30 years. So that is, that is growth of $775,000 roughly, right? So I I wrote this. It's this kind of math that blows my mind. Um, Here's how you know when you're really wealthy. When you can live comfortably off of 8% of your nest egg, your nest egg being everything that you have in mutual funds. So where does he get this 8% number from? I'm glad you asked. Uh, He says that the average mutual fund has a return of 12% per year, right? Mm -hmm. And inflation is about 4% per year. So when you take 12 minus 4, you get that 8% number. So for example, if you want to retire and live off of $80,000 per year, and that's the number you feel that you need to be comfortable. Then you need to be having 120000 coming in. Yeah, which means 12%. You need to have a million dollars in your nest egg, right? Mm-hmm. For 80000 a year to mm-hmm. live off of. Because the tw- the 4% is inflation. Yep. That's, that's the 120000 and then you'll get your 80000 Exactly. Exactly. So if you feel like you only need to retire on $40,000 a year and you're more comfortable with that number, your nest egg only needs to be $500,000. And when you consider compound interest and how quickly money can grow after the 10th and 15th year, and if you're just slowly putting in a few thousand dollars each year, it actually does feel attainable. This is the first time to me that I felt like reaching a retirement goal actually felt attainable. Um, so that was cool. But he he explains that if you start investing now, you can reach that number well before age 65 or retirement age. And he calls this the pinnacle point. When your money is working harder than you are and you can actually live off of those menial returns, that's when you're truly wealthy, according to Dave Ramsey. Um, So he ends the book. As I sit eating cold old tuna out of a can with a fork I haven't washed in months because I'm saving water, but I'm living at the pinnacle point. That's when I feel wealthy. That's wealthy. And it's interesting because it does feel like you're sacrificing and you're holding back and you're doing all these things for so long. But then he's like, so should someone wear a $30,000 watch? Should they buy a $50,000 car off the lot brand new? Because he talks a lot in the book about how the average millionaire, because he studied a bunch of millionaires, owns a two-year-old car that they paid for in cash. Like they don't run around in like brand new Mercedes off the lot kind of a thing. But he he says, should you live in a $700,000 home? Which made me laugh because I was like, that's a fucking down payment in Los if Angeles. I could find a $700,000 I know, I'd buy, I okay. would try and buy it. Um, but he, he says, uh, yeah, so should you buy yourself a Rolex and should you get that car off the lot and should you do all these things? Of course you should. He says, but there are really only three things um, that you can do with your money. You can invest it, you can have fun with it, and you can give it away. Mm -hmm. And he says giving it away is one of the most fun things you can possibly do. Mm -hmm. And that giving is often way more fun for the giver than it even is for the receiver. Mm -hmm. So um, he he uses examples of some people he knows. They're always church geared, uh, always as a superlative. They're mostly church geared. Uh, So one man buys 50 bikes for an inner city church every year. And gives them out at Christmas time, which is really cool. And then other people, you know, donate $50,000 to give $100 out to a bunch of people in need in the city kind of a thing. Um, He also talks – I really liked this. He talks about why it's not shameful to build wealth. Um, 
he says base, he says the people with wealth have the power to influence things and make changes in their community and in the world. So the people who have wealth can do the most good or the most bad. So he says if you're a good person, because he's seen a lot of good people go, oh, I don't like money. It's evil. Like, I want to turn it away. If you're a good person, you should actually be trying to build wealth and not be ashamed about it um, because you can do the most good. Mm -hmm. So if you're a good person, don't be ashamed about it. If you're a bad person, stop building wealth. Thank you. Go fuck yourself. Um, Go fuck yourself. (laughs) So uh, towards the end of the book, he does share his philosophy finally, which was interesting that it's at the end of the book. He doesn't believe that wealth will solve problems. And he asks, again, what we're supposed to do with the money now that we've spent four years building it, having fun, investing, and giving it away. He also says that wealth will only make you more of who you already are. So if you're a jerk and you become wealthy, you will be the king of jerks. If you're generous um, when you became wealthy, you will become even more generous. So that, in a nutshell, Mm. is the total money motherfucking makeover by Dave Ramsey. Wow. T-shirt cannon. (laughs) I can't believe we did that at the same time. Okay, there is one more thing. I might have mentioned this up top, but I found this very exciting. There is an investment calculator on his website mm-hmm. that you can play with like, okay, if I invest $100 a month, what what will I have if I retire at this age? And you can play with all these numbers and it will tell you in any scenario when you'll reach your million dollar year, mm-hmm. which is cool. And I, I mean, a million dollars feels like an arbitrary number these days, but it is that sort of like, oh, millionaire versus mm-hmm. not a millionaire thing mm-hmm. that people have. So I thought that was very cool that you can literally see this graph and how it sharply starts to go up, you know, versus slowly starting to go up. And you can really see like, okay, if I didn't go to Starbucks three times a week and put that aside, like, oh my God, I'm going to have 300,000 more dollars. I think, isn't, you know? that a, isn't that a self-help book? It's called like The Million Dollar Cup of Coffee or something like Love that. Love it, into it. Um, obviously, this is 100% practical, Patty. Practical Paul. There's really not a lot of woo-woo in here. None at all. None at all. Like not even a little. And remember from the clip, he's yelling at you Ugh. most of the time. <laughs> T-shirt cannon. Yelling. Um, <laughs> uh what did you try to put into practice from this and how did it affect you? Really, I have just been trying to um, – so there's two things. I've been trying to digest that whole rethinking of debt and that I don't need debt as a tool even though my debt is like revolving debt that I pay off every month. It got me really fired up to invest again because I I was actively investing for a few years and then I stopped when I went freelance and it got me thinking why can't I be building wealth no matter what status I'm at even if I even if I only have 20 spare dollars a month I can be doing something with that and it did make me sit down with Zach and I I told him all of this and I got really excited and I said how do we want to be smart now? Because we're not waiting till we're 35 to invest. We've both started. How can we be smart now so that we don't have to wait till we're 65? What if we could retire at 50 and be living off of that, you know, 8% of whatever mm-hmm. nest egg we build? So, I love it. Yeah. Um, what did you hate about this book other than his sarcastic ass voice? Yeah. Well, it's it's super condescending. And I I just have to he did a good job of like, here's a caveat here and a caveat there. Hope you enjoyed that car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. 
there are caveats here and there, but I also think that pe- people who are coming from $150,000 of student debt, $250,000 of student debt, I mean, the, the cost of all of this is going crazy and haywire. Yeah, do you feel like he adjusted that in, in subsequent um, prints and additions to, to for the fact that I don't in, know because inflation? you're not going to – you're. I mean, it's going to take you – 10 years in some cases to get to fucking step three for your emergency fund. And by then, do you have kids that have you set you back financially? You know, it's like it's there's not enough nuance, I think. I mean, when I when I went to college, my out of state tuition. Yeah. In total was what my brother paid for my niece for in-state tuition per year. Are you kidding me? No. Holy shit. Yeah, and I, I went to a state school because I had something called the Bright Future Scholarship, and it meant, like, my basic tuition was paid, but that it didn't include living expense. You know, it's just, like, it, it, it's crazy. It is it's crazy. crazy. He also says college is a luxury and yeah. not a necessity because he, he actually breaks down the statistics. You know, even of world leaders, they feel like only 20% of their success is contributed to education, well, and it doesn't guarantee jobs. that's a lovely statistic, but yeah. people out-earn college degrees out earn high school degrees by a significant amount. And if you want to talk about investing, you can start ahead. Yeah. Yeah. But he has a whole section where he talks about why he thinks it's a luxury and a great one that you should go for if you can, but like you shouldn't treat it as this like end all be all expense. Yeah. I mean, who says you have to go right away? Yeah. Um, What did you love about this book, if anything? Everything. Sounds like you love that calculator. I fucking love that calculator. I love the step-by-step and the philosophy he lays the ground for before. It doesn't mean I understand all of it or agree with all of it, but him going, here's why we need to do this thing, here's how we need to do this thing, and here's the reward Mm. of doing this thing, I thought was very well done. Who do you think this is perfect for, and who do you think it's terrible for? This is uh, only going to be a half answer because this is honestly the first real completely financially focused book that I've read. So I would say this is good for someone like me who wants a starting place to understand how to build real wealth. You know, my family does not have what Dave Ramsey would consider real wealth. So nobody ever sat me down. The The lessons I learned were don't spend more than you make, mm-hmm. period. Mm. Or watching family members of mine go into debt mm-hmm. and going, oh, God, that's what not to do. Or feeling horrified and scared mm-hmm. that I was going to be homeless. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So nobody ever sat me down and said, here's how you actually take control. So somebody who's looking to radically reduce debt, this could be good for, but I have not tried that method. Okay. So I cannot speak to that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and who would it be terrible for? This would be um, terrible for people who are rigid in their financial systems, who do not believe in investing. Like I have, I have some millennial friends who are like, I'm never going to be able to buy a house. I'm never going to be able to pay for retirement. So, like, why should I try? I'm just going to spend it. Fuck it. Terrible for those people. Mm-hmm. I, I hear people that. in denial. Um, it's a it's a wonderful river. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, what what is my listener listener challenge, and what is my homework? Um, do you want to make a budget for this month and give every dollar a job? No, but I will. 
Do you have debts? Yeah. Why don't you list them from smallest to largest and see how that feels? All right. I mean, does he include like um, like L.A. DWP in that? Those feel like utilities. Yeah. So not like a debt. So just debt. Like credit card payments, loan payments, car payments. Okay. Yeah, but I, I mean, Dave to. Ramsey would say you can't start the debt snowball before you make a budget. But I will let you just list your debts out and see. I just have two. Okay. I oh, just have two oh, credit you just cards. Have two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he also talks about just like finding any and every other dollar to do that. And you know what? I want to give our listeners a listener challenge. All right. Just Google investment websites. And what I mean is Fidelity.com, Vanguard.com. I love Vanguard. I love Vanguard. I use Vanguard. So do I. Um, uh, Just start wrapping your head around it. Just create a a user login. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking you to open an account. I'm not asking you to transfer anything. Often the first step to doing something is just beginning. Poke around the website. See how that feels. If it's overwhelming, take a break. Give yourself a few weeks off. It's fine. But I invite everyone to do that for themselves because the sooner you do it, the sooner you can reap the benefits. And we're all we're all getting older. Every, every moment. Day. Every, every moment of every, every out day. Every out-breath, yeah. we're getting older. So, Lisa, I feel like I want to circle back to your challenge. Since you only have two, it's not going to be hard to, like, list them in order. Yeah, I got them. I know. I'm right here. I I'd, know. Them. I'd like for you to give every dollar a job and see how that feels. I love you the most. And I, you made me make a vision board. And you loved it. Did I? Did I? You did. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah. Well, here's why I'm resistant to that. Yeah. Is because uh, I I don't have a, a steady inflow of I know. money. So I know. My, my asset and liability is not going to balance. It's going to make me feel terrible about myself because I'm going to have more uh, liabilities than assets this month. Mm. But I will do it. Hmm. And in the spirit of the last book you covered, I almost want to give you something that won't make you feel terrible because I'm your friend and I love you and I want you to feel good. But I think Pima Chodron would say, what's it like to sit in that feeling? Oh, I'm feeling it right now. Great. You know I love you, right? I feel awful for giving you that homework assignment. Listen, it's life is... A miracle wrapped in a marshmallow, riding a unicorn over a rainbow made of chocolate chip cookies and lollipops. And I'm on it, burning that motherfucker to the ground. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to take a moment and say that I was on Richie and Wes's podcast. It's called the Richie and Wes podcast. They were super, super fun. We talked a lot about improv um, and we talked about our podcast as well. So if you guys have a second, you want to go listen. They're hilarious and super fun. Richie and Wes. Richie and Wes. Is that what it's called? Richie and Wes? R-I-C-H-I-E? I think so. It might be a why. Oh, great. Thank you so much for having Lisa on, you guys. Yeah, it was super fun. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes, too. And now more than ever, I want to hear from listeners. Yes. How do you, do you invest? If you don't, why don't you? If you do, how do you do it? Is there a set percentage or is it like whatever the fuck I find? Or is it I just take my tax return every year and throw it in there? Or I just, it's all in my mattress and God help me if my house burns up. Yes, thank you. And I I just, I want to know. And as someone myself who has a lot of jobs Mm -hmm. all of the time, Mm -hmm. I 
completely get trying to balance all of that and hustle and get ahead. So I would love to hear from you. Even if you're like, I've got crushing debt and I don't know where to start. We empathize. Like, yeah. please. Like, there are people out there who would feel a lot less alone if you shared that. So yeah. um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, everybody. I'm excited Missy, to be— Missy, thanks for suffering the the bitter contentment of Dave Ramsey's oh, voice. thank you. I mean, he— According to his website, one billion people listen to his radio show every listen, month. So, like, people love to be talked down to. He's a popular. I think it's because he's effective. I think overall, it's like hope you enjoyed this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Okay, with that, we won't torture you anymore. Life, Life is, is abundant. <laughs> Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know you can also find us on the social medias, Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast, Twitter at podcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye! Bye.